Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Andy Seth. Andy is the CEO of Flow Marketing. He is a best-selling author, music producer, and serial entrepreneur. Andy grew up in a motel in Los Angeles, but never felt bound by his circumstances. His entrepreneurial journey has taken him through four successful seven-figure businesses. His company, Flow Marketing, is recognized as being a top 10% of B Corps worldwide. He has been thriving in the face of our current economic circumstances with COVID-19 and flow marketing is on track for a $10 million run rate in 2020. Andy, welcome to the program, man. Thank you, sir. Good to see you, man. So I I hyped you up there a little bit. $10 million run rate for your agency right now, in spite of everything that's going on, or maybe even the result of everything that's going on. Can you paint us a picture of flow marketing today? Kind of what's the the team set up? Who's your ideal client? How many folks do you have? All that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So when I started Flow Marketing, I started it because I had exited my last business. Uh, it was a wealth management company. And I was trying to figure out what was next. And I wanted to solve a problem that was a social problem. I had been working for years to help low-income kids go to college. And I didn't really see any good opportunities for low-income kids to have great careers. And so I came up with this apprenticeship program where if we could teach low-income youth how to do content marketing, they'd have careers. So the genesis of Flow and our business model was, how can I create apprenticeships for low-income youth to teach them how to do content marketing where they'd have jobs and careers and it didn't matter whether they had a college degree or not, but rather that they could actually demonstrate the skill. And so after some testing, we started out with a live chat agency and specifically to teach these youth, how to use their writing skills. We hired for writing skills, how to do sales, right? Lead conversion on live chat. And so I launched an agency that just does that just did live chat. And then over time we added in texting, sure. And then we added in email. So we have a full customer service outsource, no phones, because these folks were really great at writing, but not necessarily the most articulate on the phones. And as we grew, uh, we started to find that customers would ask us for help generating the traffic that we were converting and that we were nurturing once they were customers. And so we got into content marketing. Then once we got into content marketing, some of those customers didn't necessarily have a really well-defined, let's say, brand or set of brand guidelines or clarity around their messaging. And so we started to do branding. So the company today does the integration of branding and content marketing and customer support outsourcing. And you mentioned that this was this is all driven through apprenticeship for for youth. I mean, what low are the types youth. low income youth? So you're taking yeah. people that have 
they probably are I'm not thinking that they're super tech savvy. They're not, you know, they maybe don't have business training and you're, you're, you're bringing them up from like a pretty, I mean, where, where are they at when they first come in with you guys? Yeah. So they're typically 18 to 24 years old, not in college. Some are not even working. And what they are fundamentally is they're great writers. That That's the one thing they must have in order for them to be successful. And of course, I mean, there's some other things, but like from a skills perspective, that's the one skill that they need to have quite developed customer service as well. But what we do then is we we train them up. And of course, we have a whole leadership team and we have all, all kinds of folks who are who are well-seasoned and experienced professionals, but the, the agents start off, that's who they are. And that's how we give them employment for full time, right? So they've got 40 hours a week. They're not contract labor, anything like that. So they're full-time employees. And then we've provided a curriculum that's a two-year curriculum that teaches them content marketing. And so at the end of the two years, they should be able to make 40 grand or more as a content marketing specialist. I actually have one that's graduating here in September. And so, you know, whether she stays with us, hopefully there's opportunity for her to continue to stay with us. But if, if she, if there's not a role, then she should be marketable. And for that matter, since we have agency owners listening to this, if that were of interest, you know, to hire somebody um, who's been through two years of content marketing and actual work, right? So they're not just having a curriculum, they're having hands-on application during those two years, then, you know, that might be something that people want to hire. I, I know this. I know that the one bullet point that's used in job descriptions that says two years minimum experience required is a very uh, lazy bullet point. And it's lazy. I use it too. It's a heuristic. But the heuristic basically is like, hey, I don't really want to teach you all this stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that you need to know, and I just don't want to teach it to you. Can you just walk in here? Well, I'm actually teaching literally those two years of work while they're working. So I can tell you this, as glamorous as it sounds to have this program, it is hard. It is hard because I am going through the pains of teaching these folks how to work through multiple, multiple different online systems, how to have personal accountability, how to write in a way that is, you know, influential in terms of converting leads, but also be able to talk to clients if they ask questions and you know, there's a lot that goes into making sure that they're well-trained and prepared. So if I put my stamp of approval on them and say, they've, they've graduated my apprenticeship program, they're marketable, that people want to hire them. That is my ultimate vision for this business is that we're continuing to produce apprentices. And maybe even other agency owners will look at this and hear this and say, hey man, like I'm interested, you know, like, could you tell me about how you do it? Because I'm not going to solve this problem the societal problem for low-income youth to not have great career paths. I'm not going to solve that alone. Um, I, what I'm trying to do is demonstrate that this is actually a very profitable business model and has a positive business outcome. And by doing that, I think other agency owners can look at this and say, like, I'm interested. How can I do that? How, I mean, when I was running my agency, we had this, you know, light bulb moment of maybe we should hire an intern or, you know, and we even had been working with the Art Institute of Colorado and we would do their kind of bring in interns or whatever. And I mean, it was, it was your, your spot on. Not only was it hard, I mean, there was issues with just people taking the job seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, we tried the free intern thing. We found that we ultimately got better results when we paid. Obviously, there's also some labor things around that questionable practices, whether you are paying or not paying. Are you guys – so is, is, this a, this is, a, is this a job or is it like job training for them? 
So they are, they have a full-time job, 40 hours a week that they're paid for. And they also go through this curriculum. And as they learn something, let's just take the, let's just take Google analytics, for example. Now they've gone through a course on Google analytics. We all know just because you've gone through the course doesn't mean that you know how to do the stuff in there, right? To the level that we would want to employ someone. Like in theory, yes. But if somebody says like, oh, I've taken a course on Google Analytics, are you hiring them saying that they're an A player because of that? No. Well, so the next step is while they might've had one hour of training and obviously it's longer than that, but if they have one hour of training, they need like 15 to 20 hours of hands-on application, right? And, and so we give them the opportunities because we have a content marketing division and Google Analytics plays into reporting. Our apprentices, once they learn Google Analytics are doing the reporting. They're going in and, and creating the client reports and having to provide insights. There is someone that's more seasoned that is QAing their work. So it's not like they do it alone, um, but we're giving them the hands-on application. So yeah, it's a full-time job. And through that full-time job is where we do deal with a lot of the challenges. But one of the keys to an apprenticeship program that I've learned through the Swiss model, the Swiss are, are really the gold standard of apprenticeships worldwide. Uh, especially in banking. If you think about Swiss banking, one of the reasons is they've got a phenomenal apprenticeship program. One of the things I learned is that you have to have a manager and a mentor and that there's specific management processes around guiding them, but there's also a fixed recurring schedule for mentorship that's weekly for our apprentices. And so they have two different people to go to. So they have the person who's their boss, but then they have the mentor who they can talk to that's not got control over their you know, salary and, and job. And that's really important to be able to do. There's there's multiple things like this inside of an apprenticeship program that we've learned that make it more successful. But the truth is, like, it's also still hard. I've had two apprentices now with major mental health issues. Do you know? Do you know? Underprepared I was, Brent, to deal with mental health issues for a low income youth who was couch surfing, kicked out of her house from her parents. Uh, one is in prison. The other is an alcoholic. Do you know? Like, completely underprepared I was to deal with it. At the same time, I feel really blessed that like those people landed on my doorstep because I have some tools, I have some connections and can help them. I can't do that all though. We're business at the end of the day. Um, and so there are challenges around this, this idea, but I also think that there's a great amount of profit to be had because we're tapping into a labor pool that's really, what's their opportunity cost? Wendy's? No offense, Wendy's. Right. That's their opportunity cost. And, and I, you know, I, and I love like a per, I love this concept of how purpose driven your business is. And to see that you're doing this at scale is mind blowing. I think a lot of people like build a business and then layer in a little yeah. you know, icing cool. of purpose yeah, on yeah. top. Like, oh, hey, we want to, you know, give well, I've back done that. Or, <laughs> or pay it forward or we, you know, yeah, do yeah. like, well, once they're successful, they're like, oh, cool, I'll do that. Or a lot of people that are struggling to find that success might think like, okay, once I'm successful, then I will do a, a, a 1% or whatever. I mean, it sounds like you right. you made this a decision as like the foundation of the business was, uh, I mean, it, was it that clear? Like, hey, I mean, I know I know you said this a little bit, but like, yeah. we're going to do this. We're going to put a stake in the ground. This is going to be how we, we do this. And then we're going to build a business around this idea. It kind of makes you think of like Tom's shoes. I mean, those are kind of yeah. buy one, get one type of, or buy one, give one type of, of programs. But, uh, but just to build your yeah. business around this model, I mean, were there, 
people in your business or outside your business that were detractors that said, this is a bad idea? So first of all, yes, I, I did start with this as the foundation of the business. When I, when I say I started with why and then had to figure out how to make money, that's literally what happened. If you go back and read my blog articles, they're on my website, personal website, as well as on Medium from four years ago, you'll see that the the multiple, multiple articles talking about the the economic challenges, the educational challenges for low-income youth not going to college and how my vision for this apprenticeship model, like you'll see this from four years ago. So I didn't even have a way to make money back then. What so so yes, that's how I started the business flat out. It's harder for sure. This was this was the next level in my entrepreneur game. Um because w- while you've seen the multiple businesses I've built and sold, not one of the businesses I've sold has made me able to retire fully, right? So I'm very comfortable and all that kind of stuff, but I've flipped a dollar over and over again. And so I just have to keep flipping this dollar until finally I say, okay, now I'm, now I'm done. But I'm, I'm not, this business isn't actually designed to flip. This is my first company I've designed to not flip, but rather build a portfolio of companies. And we can get into that if you want later. But my point is that I've been in the situation of adding, you know, some purpose on top. Uh, and this one, I reversed it. This is very, it is, it is difficult to blaze a trail, if you will. There is no other company in the country doing this um, from like uh, digital marketing, content marketing. They will talk about internships and things like that, like you mentioned, but we're talking about like a two-year curriculum. <laughs> we're talking about a pretty sizable investment. And I will say that I think that once I've got this enough success stories, I really would love to share the process with people so they can implement this too. Because fundamentally, it's just actually really great business. I'm making a tremendous amount of profit off of this off of this population. Like that's just the flat out truth of it. I hire them in at 11 or $12 an hour. And as they grow, by year one, they're probably making 15 an hour, but they're delivering me in value somewhere between at that point, 20 to 25 an hour, maybe 30 an hour relatively. And then by the time they finish in two years, they're making 20 an hour, but they should be generating me 50 to 60 at least, right? And so while while it's a lot of social good, like social good doesn't work unless there's unless it drives economic growth. You know, that's why like the Tom Shoes stuff works because it's all baked in, right? They didn't have to like add something on top. It's baked in. This is my competitive advantage. I just happen to be sharing it. I just happen to be telling people that this is my competitive advantage. And and I want to, we're going to come back to the apprenticeship program and aligning your business Mm -hmm. around why for, for sure. It actually comes in. um, We got a couple of questions from our, our Facebook group on some of the things you did earlier on in your business. And so I I do want to come back to that topic, but you're on path to do $10 million in, in revenue this year, which first of all, Congrats. That's a huge accomplishment for an agency owner to, to break in to not just a seven-figure agency realm, but also to break an eight-figure number, especially this year. And that's a really good stat. A lot of our listeners will hear that and think, Andy's got it all figured out. He's just, you know, it's up and to the right, right? And you did kind of mention a little bit of the 
the challenges. Um, er- earlier in our pre-show, you mentioned, "Hey, do we want to get? Do we want to get deep? Do we want to get raw?" Yeah. And uh, and so you know, a lot of people, and myself included, you know, you see people that are successful, and it becomes uh, almost a distraction to my own journey because I see the result that somebody else got, but you don't always see the bruises and the downs mm-hmm. and the lows. Uh, what are, what are some things for you that have, that you've struggled with in the last few years growing this business? Man, I think right now, this is going to be a recency bias, but I, I've, this is the one that I'm struggling with most over and over again, turnover. So where my apprentices are loyal to the bone, right? I'm, I'm (laughs) in a way pulling them out of a situation that no one is willing to give them those opportunities. That isn't the same when it comes to my professional, my professional team. So starting out with the construct of the business, I have a leadership team, I have, you know, customer service agents, and then I have a big pool of contractors. What I've found from the contractor pool, I've made some pretty big mistakes there. First of all, I think I pay pretty much at a median level. You know, I pay pretty much at the 50% level and I want A players. So one of the things that's become very obvious to me is I want a for 50% pay, 50% median pay. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like if you looked at like the bell curve, I want an a player, but I'm paying C. <laughs> so, so, so you want the top 90%, but we're paying for, yeah, C or, or D okay. kind of, so, D, so or D like this, is, yeah. this is me being straight up about this. Right. But, but there's, um, I'm paying C level wanting a using my purpose and company mission to probably get B's. Okay. So that's what's happening in my contractor pool. I've got good talent. I've got great in-house talent to make them, to make their work better. But I have a lot of turnover in that contractor pool. And right now what I'm seeing, I'm seeing contractors going to get jobs because they're really worried about what's happening in the economy. And so while they used to be able to get by on a gig or, or, you know, solopreneur style, now they're going to get jobs. So I'm turning over people for that. Um, I'm turning over people because we also train up our writers, our, our contract writers. We train them up on how to do things kind of the, the flow way, but it's actually just really effective and like they can go get paid more once they learn it. And they don't exactly say, Hey, Andy, I would like to get paid more by you. They just leave. They just say, hey, I got another gig and, and I'm out because they can. The, the third mistake I'm making along that way is I haven't really had a backup pool. So I've always had this concept like, oh, it'd be great to have this contractor pool that if one writer's out, then another writer can come in. But we source every writer specific to every client. That's one of the value props is not that you're going to get some staff writer or somebody that's a generic Like We're sourcing somebody who specifically knows your business model. Well, you technically need a pool of writers for that one client then. <laughs> because and so there's many. You, you know that the writer is going to eventually yeah. leave. And so you're essentially having to build systems around yeah. the, the the turnover. Like you're taking the turnover issue is almost like a fact of life. And so how do we, how do we deal yeah. with that? Well, we have to create, you know, mitigate that risk yeah. somewhat. But how? the amount of retraining posting of just job descriptions and screening of candidates. I mean, everyone here knows this, that's got to hire people. It's brutal, man. The amount of cost that's going on in that is just, it's, it's burying us in some way. So like I need to figure out a better solution. 
Um, my current better solution is build a pool of pre-screened riders specific to the client, and then we should be able to call on anyone, and hopefully they've got capacity. If someone's got a better answer than that, like I am all ears on it because that's definitely an, that's an area we're struggling with. I think some other areas, if you want to keep going, uh, some other areas that we struggle with on growth, my personal brand brings in a lot of business. Um, we do a lot of personal branding work and I'm kind of the example that we can use and others now other clients, of course, but I'm the example, like, here's what you can do to bring in business. Well, here's the, here's the double-edged sword. I am not a system. I am, I've got a system behind me, but make no mistake. Like I know, I'm not trying to say this in a conceited way, but there is a level of charisma. There's a level of being outgoing and high achieving and extroversion that plays in my favor. And to pretend like that's not a big driver of my business ignores the reality that I haven't really got as good or better system that doesn't depend on me. And so one of the things we're trying to build is a better system outside of my personal brand. I do think that to get to this point, it was a smart move because every dollar invested in my personal brand went a lot farther than if I tried to brand Flow. Flow didn't exist and now is maybe four years old or five years old. Like Andy Seth is 42 and has been in the game for a minute. So like a buck spent on me goes a lot farther than a buck spent on Flow. Let me just put it like that. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients' results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. I know a lot of people struggle with this dilemma. And we, lit we literally just had uh, my good friend <laughs> Melanie Spring on the show and she was talking about kind of how to get clear on what your personal brand is. But I'm curious from, from your standpoint because you're you're out there doing the personal brand thing, but then you're getting clients that are attracted to flow because of you. How are you separating yourself from the product? Because I think it's really easy for people that are kind of the the, the they, their brand is the company that they find that when clients come in, they have this, you know, they want to work with you, right? Like you specifically, oh. not like the idea of Andy Seth, but like they want to work with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Not that I you're going to be in there running their chat bots or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah, you sure. know, you get the idea. I have the inverse problem though. So the inverse problem is that my personal brand has nothing to do with what we do at Flow. So what when I wrote my book and, and produced my album and, I mean, I write prolifically, right? Like I create content constantly. It's all around mindful leadership. And that has nothing to do with customer service, outsourcing, content marketing, branding. I just am a client of my own company's services. So the inverse problem is people find me. The website traffic I have outpaces flow by about 8x. <laughs> so like I get website traffic. One of my top articles is uh, on the 20 most woke rappers. Another one is on the Wim Hof breathing method. Like those don't have anything to do with the services we offer. 
So the issue for me was how do I convert those people into prospects? I can understand what your question was, which is how do people separate themselves? I don't have that problem, so I don't know that answer, right? The problem I have is how do I bring them together? Because my personal interests are so vastly different in terms of what I want to teach than the services we offer. And so I've had to figure that out. That's a different problem. That's the one I've had to figure out. I mean, how have you even, like, I think of my own, like, I have done, I mean, I have a, a, a quote-unquote personal blog that I don't, you know, I, I wrote on for a while, but I found that I put more of the energy into the company every once in a while I feel inspired and go and go write something. Yeah. But I think a lot of people even battle with that, right? Like, I have a business. Do I create something that's separate where I can, you know, post, you know, whether it's YouTube for people or Instagram? I mean, I think that sometimes... I think for some entrepreneurs, it can become a distraction. I mean, do you find that your your personal stuff, which it seems like you're super passionate about and you've been really successful, but has that ever been a distraction for you yeah. with the core business? 100%. 100% has been a distraction. Let's just take last year, for example. So last year, last year I wrote a book. Then in the meditation, another like message kind of started coming into me and I was like, huh, is that a speech? I thought it might be a, a speech that I had to give. Anyways, that turned that that message into a book. That book is the one I actually published. So book number two that I've written became book number one that I published. Book number one is still sitting in a final manuscript waiting to be published. So I wrote two books last year. Most people don't know that. Most people just see the one book that I wrote. Then the marketing around the book, right? I have 85 star reviews from on Amazon. That doesn't come easily, right? Like, that's not that's not because a worldwide fan base read my book. <laughs> I've sent out more books for free than got purchased at launch. No, not even by a not even a small margin. I mean, it's not even close. So I'm I'm in the middle of uh, of, of publishing my book. <laughs> so so just do, just keep going, man, because you're really getting me excited about the, the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then then I have this. Amazing idea. I used to be a DJ for nine years. That was my first business from the age of 13 to 22. So I have this great idea that I can hear this music that I'm in the book. There, there's a there's a rapper in the book. And, and so I hear the music that is in the book as I'm writing it. And I'm like, I should make that music. And so I did. I made a whole album. It's under my artist name, A-Love on Spotify, Apple, whatever, any anywhere, YouTube, everywhere. A-L-U-V, and the album is Bling, which is the same name of my book, Bling, under Andy Seth. And each chapter influenced a track. So I had not only written two books last year, I produced an entire album. That's from all the beats to the harmonies to different artists to bringing that all together with producers and songwriters with me. Like I wrote lyrics. I mean, yeah. And then on November 8th, which was a Friday, Music always drops on Fridays. Books always drop on Tuesdays. I dropped both of them on a Friday. I threw a party. Downtown Denver, there's a nightclub called Exto, and I rented it out. And I brought 500 of my close friends to come have a big-ass party with me to celebrate the launch of my book and album. I also made music videos. I mean, my man, like, the creativity was through the roof I will say November 8th was one moment where I felt like I touched the sky. It felt like, oh, this is what the this is what it feels like to have reached your potential. 
like that, it did feel like that because I had this business that was growing. Yes. But in the meantime, I had these projects that were just crushing, like just creativity wise. I mean, I never imagined I would do this in my life. So in one way, an amazing feeling and accomplishment, but make no mistake. I completely, I was at best 50% on my business. Now I have great leadership, you know, so, so it's not to say like the business was driven by me, but yeah, the problems of me taking my concentration elsewhere were, are now more evident today. So it's like a, it's like a, it's not a leading indicator. It's a lagging indicator, you know? So I, while I, I took my eye off at the time, it seemed like everything was working out great. So I didn't have enough awareness to see that problems were being created at the time. The fissures have now occurred. I mean, last week I let go of three people, three on my leadership team. That's rough, man. That's a was rough, that like a, a fit issue or was it business climate change? I mean, obviously in the last four my months, biz- a lot of people have left, let, let people go. So was it, was it related? Oh to yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. We're growing. No, no. So like Q2 this year, we over doubled in size. That's why we're on this pace. I mean, it's, it's a completely different business in, in that sense. No, our business outgrew the people. And, and if I were doing my job, right. Uh, I'm not going to be so harsh on myself. If I had not chosen to take those personal projects on, if all my attention were on the business, one of the things I would have done and that that I'm now doing is focused a lot heavier on developing the the people who are on my team, developing their skills to grow so that their skills outpace the growth of the business. Here's the reality. And I don't know if other people or agency owners have have found this, but I found this in every one of my service businesses. When the business hits these spurts, all of a sudden, the people who were amazing at the job when you hired them and who were taking on the role are no longer adequate at that at the at the levels of the business. It's a it's a really weird thing because, like they were they were perfectly good at the time, and if they don't grow and your business outgrows them, like you either hire above them, or they don't have a seat anymore. And the harsh reality for me was they didn't have a seat anymore, and that sucked because I liked them. They helped me get here, you know, but. At the same time, they didn't keep up with their growth. It's not, is that my responsibility? No. Do I have an impact on that? Potentially. I know I had no impact on it virtually because I was focused on other projects. So while I'm very grateful for those projects and the, that, taste, that taste of what it's like to have touched that potential, there were consequences on the business, which I fully accept. And so... Yeah, we're on a great growth path and all this stuff, but like understand it, it these are some of the issues that I've I'm facing and my my responsibility right now is what well, it's to choose what do you want my what do I want my responsibility to be? And right now I'm choosing to not publish this other book that I have sitting. Brother, wait, imagine that. It is done. It's done because here's what I know about me. You know I'm not going to let that go silently. You think I'm going to let out a book quietly like some little silent fart? Hell no. Hell no. Dude, I am coming guns a-blazing with my showmanship. But what's going to happen if I do that? The same thing's going to happen. So this is my discipline. The discipline to not put out a piece of work that I want out so badly. But I want, I want this other thing even more. 
And this other thing is I want Flow to be in a position where we can begin to open up more companies under our, under our moniker. I want a place where I create entrepreneurs. I want a place where potentially other people who, and I've been in this situation before, who may not be operationally as gifted can come and say, hey, look, I've got a great business. I can bring in clients, but operationally, like I don't have it going on like you do. They might be able to join us. You know, like I want a business that does that, a long, long lasting business. I'm not interested in selling this business. I'm interested in building a business that will last for a long time, not because of legacy. That's an ego play to me. It's because I want this. I want that challenge. I want this to exist. That's why. Dude, this is a, I wish we had like a special, like three hour edition uh, <laughs> podcast. I think your, your vision, your purpose, uh, your motivation, I was going to come back to talking about purpose, but I think you really just nailed it for people about where your alignment is, how you think about that, how you stay focused. I, I think that your business starting with the why, like I know a lot of people hear that, start with why, but to actually see this in practice and, and, and where that alignment can take your business is uh, is is super cool. And, um, and, and there's so many more places I could go, but uh, I think we're going to go next to our lightning round. Are you ready for lightning round? Yeah, sure. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? That I can be highly ambitious and at peace at the same time. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think it's probably to have the skills that come through meditation, but mostly self-development. I'm pretty hard on myself in some ways with, with grace to make improvements. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? I recently discovered Zoho and all the 50 some odd apps that it has. And we're using some of the analytics in there that you can build custom apps and analytics. Agency owners might find that really useful. I find I've, I've found that useful for reporting um, for our out of Zendesk, things like that. Um, anyways, yeah, Zoho is actually quite a robust tool. And what book would you recommend and why? <laughs> I won't say my own, although, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I've really enjoyed two books uh, recently, 11 Rings by Phil Jackson. If you're into The Last Dance at all, Phil Jackson is just, I mean, the most winningest NBA coach in history, right? So his book, 11 Rings, is unreal good, um, especially as a leader. And then second one is Dolly Laskell's book called The Leadership Gap, which talks a lot about really Jungian archetypes of, it's a, it's a modern spin on Jungian archetypes. If you like to show billions, Wendy Rhodes's character is b- based on Dolly Laskell's work. And um, she talks a lot about the shadow self. And so it's a great way to view yourself and where you might have um, some areas of improvement. And a couple of bonus lightning round questions. These came from our Facebook group, Profitable Digital Agencies. We literally just launched this group. So if you're out there and you're looking for a group to join uh, and you want to get some behind-the-scenes stuff on our podcast, check it out. Profitable Digital Agencies. We'll link to it in our show notes. Uh, But this question came in from Mike Wintertime. What was the number one thing you did early on to make your agency a success? I didn't raise any money or borrow any. It's all out of my pocket. When it bites... We know when I make mistakes financially, first of all, I test everything out on my own personal brand. That's one of the beauties of having a personal brand. I test every strategy on me. 
I learned this in my wealth management business. Um, before I would bring any investments, uh, especially private investment opportunities to our clients, <clears throat> I did them first. So when I make mistakes, like it hurts, it hurts. And I feel the pain that a client would feel if something doesn't work. I don't play with their money. I do three things because I know how to make money off of those. Branding content and, and customer service outsourcing. I do those because I know how to make money. I don't know how to do paid, paid ads. I don't know how to do that well. I, I, tactically, yes. How to make money off of it for my clients? No, I'm not good at it. So the best thing I did was I play with my own money. Other question from our group is from Stephen Mormon. I'd like to know this. How did you position your agency to make it stand out from the many agencies out there? Again, it sounds like that's kind of early on. And we did touch on that a little bit today, but any other yeah, well, uh, quick actually, tips? Yeah, actually, I just finished this round. I do this every six months. I've actually written an article on it, which I'm happy to provide as a link. I secret shop all my competitors and go through their sales process. And I pretend to be a different name. I set up a different email account. I have a different phone number and I flat out secret shop them. And so they tell me everything that their marketing doesn't say. They walk me through their sales process and I ask every question that I, as an agency owner, want to know. It's really crystal clear how to differentiate myself then. Dude, Dude I'm nasty when it first, comes to First of all, that's awesome. I'm uh, nasty. Do you, do you, are you creative with your names? Like, is it like, you know, Anderson something or like, do you just, is it just random names? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a little rhyme. <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want to out your well. secrets here, dude. <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. So we're going to link out to, uh, I love the secret shop tactic. That's amazing. We'll link out to the leadership gap, 11 rings, uh, Zoho, your album, your personal brand, your social media. We're going to basically create the Andy, Andy Seth, Seth stalker page <laughs> on YouGurus. That's that's what our show notes uh, is going to be for this one. So if you guys want to check that out, go to yougurus.com slash podcast. And we'll organize all of the greatness that is Andy Seth on there for you. So you can uh, have a one-stop shop for how to find out more about Andy. Uh, Andy, is there any way that people should find out about you or anything that you have that they can check out? Uh, yeah. First of all, just go to andyseth.com for like all the good stuff. But let me – I just implemented a text number and my uh, full transparency since we're all agency owners pretty much here um, – I'm implementing a text line that my chat agents are manning with our whole chat strategy. So they haven't been trained at all. I literally just put the number up. So if you text it in, they're untrained, but you might as well <laughs> give it a shot and see what happens. Uh, here's the number, 720-410-9900, 720-410-9900. So if you're listening to this, just text in. By the time this, <clears throat> by the time this airs, actually, they'll probably be trained. So, you know what I mean? Except for the live folks. If you're live right now. They ain't trained, but text it in and see what happens. See what happens. But, 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 you know, I see a lot of people, I mean, you guys do chat, you do text, and I see a lot of people that are, I mean, Gary V does a lot of text stuff. So I think it'd be interesting for our listeners as agency owners to see what is possible with yeah. that medium. It's kind of an old school technology, but there's a lot of new technology layered on top of it, uh, which I think is is super cool. And text and SMS, it, it is very personal. Like people are very like, it, it's like the, it's a more intimate form of communication. That sounds kind of weird, but I think people are very yeah, sure. protective of their, of their text lines. So very interested yeah. to hear what you guys are doing on that front. And also, like we said earlier, check out our show notes, yougurus.com slash podcast. We'll link out to andyseth.com. We'll also link out to your book, to make sure that people check that out because that sounds really interesting. We'll have that number listed on that page 
uh, as well. So we'll organize all that stuff. If you're on the, the road or on a run, you can check that out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Andy, dude, thank you for stopping by the program today. This is, this is eye opening. You're motivating. You're inspiring. You're making me feel like I gotta, I gotta step up my book launch, which is, which is perfect timing. Uh, so dude, thanks for stopping by the program today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. 